Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to an- another episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Eric Sparopoulos. And today's episode of the podcast is going to be something we've never done before, actually. Something new. I'm trying something new out. In the past couple days, I've been periscoping late at night. You can follow me uh, on Periscope at Eric Spiros. You can just check it out through my Twitter, in which I just talk with other people about NBA free agency or other NBA-related topics. So I figured, and someone actually replied to me saying that I should record it and make it a podcast. So that's what we're doing today. This will be a Periscope Q&A conversation podcast. It's going to go for about 30 minutes. going to have people... Ask me a bunch of questions about NBA free agency, other NBA-related stuff, obviously Rocket stuff, since I do cover the Rockets. Maybe we'll talk about my new website, the 94 Feet Report, which just launched on July 1st. You can check us out at 94feetreport.com or follow us on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report. Um, so we'll see how this Periscope session goes, or, and we'll see if we can do it again. I will continue to do Periscopes on my own, but for now, we'll just do a Periscope Q&A session of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. Stay tuned. All right, we are now going to uh, be talking about random things going on in NBA free agency. Um, We are now live on Periscope. The first question I got was about Rudy Gay going to the Spurs. Um, It's an interesting signing, um, in my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of it. Obviously, Gay is uh, 30 years old, coming off a ruptured Achilles, which is obviously not the uh, injury you want. Um, But... I mean, it's the Spurs, right? Do you ever want to doubt the Spurs? I don't think you ever want to doubt the Spurs. They always seem to figure it out, always seem to transform players. Um, but, uh, you know, you know. I'm sorry, I'm just getting all these notifications on my phone trying to keep up. Rudy Gay is on the decline, says Tease Wheeze. I think, I, sorry if I butcher anyone's uh, usernames. But, uh, yeah, it's most likely that Rudy Gay is on the decline. He is 30 years old, coming off a ruptured Achilles. But he's not going to be asked to play a huge role in the Spurs offense. Obviously, he'll be a... Th- you know, probably a third option offensively um, in terms of behind Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. But, I mean, it's all about that second half of the season. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. If he is and he's, you know, a shell of himself, himself, you know, that's not a good thing. But if Rudy Gay can kind of return to somewhere near that kind of peak level of his or at least his level last year, if he can return to somewhere close to that for the second half of the year in the playoffs— I mean, it's a nice option to have on the bench um, in terms of offensive capabilities and making the Spurs offense more dynamic, giving them more spacing, etc. Next question. What about the signing of Nick Young? Um, it's kind of redundant. I don't think the Spur- um, excuse me, the Warriors necessarily need Nick Young. Um, they got a, lo- a bunch of shooters there. You got Patrick McCaw. Um, you know, they still have that Matt Barnes role from last year. I mean, I guess he could fill that Matt Barnes role in a, better, you know, considering the fact he's closer to his prime than Matt Barnes is. But the Warriors don't really need, need his shooting or his offensive creation. I mean, he is a deadly shooter, and especially on catch-and-shoot threes. Um, so I guess it just makes their offense more potent and their, and their three-point shooting more potent. But it's fine, I guess. What's up with the latest Waj tweet about the Rockets? Yeah, so if you missed Waj's latest tweet, he was basically saying that the Rockets are actively engaged in trying to pile up those non-guaranteed contracts that they got um, 
around the time they made the Chris Paul trade. They still got several of them on the roster, including Ryan Kelly, whose contract guarantees tomorrow. So they either are going to waive him or try and trade him. So Waj tweeted out that they're actively looking to package them, and it's about $10 million worth of contracts, into a trade for an asset um, or a player. You know, obviously the rumors about Melo are real, um, and they're probably trying to get something there, but that's unlikely unless a third team is, is involved and gives the Knicks the assets because the, the Rockets don't really have any assets that the Knicks would want. No one wants Ryan Anderson. That is not an asset. Um, uh, so, it, you know, the only way they get Melo is in a three-team deal. Um, they could try and get some other bench players. It was rumored they were interested in Iman Shumpert, but that's pretty redundant now. They have Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker off the bench. Um you know, maybe Daryl Morey pulls something out of the hat and just, you know, trades for another quality bench player. They could use another ball handler, preferably a kind of a combo guard and probably another big. Um, they'd have to give Harden for Mello. Yeah, that's not that's not happening. <laughs> uh, I only want Mello if Lala comes with him. Well, I assume, lucky for you, I assume that Lala will be coming with him. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so to, to facilitate a trade for Mello, they'll probably need a third team to... You know, if a team needs cap relief, that's when the Rockets can present those non-guaranteed contracts as cap relief for a team, which is what the Cavs are trying to do with Iman Shumpert. But that trade seems to uh, be long gone. Um, you know, maybe more just you know had his his has his sights set on someone else, and you know there haven't been any rumors about it. Um, but certainly that could just come out of nowhere, and the Rockets get another a solid bench piece. I mean, they need another ball handler, and they could use another um, uh, big. Ryan Kelly and Tim Quarterman going to be the difference to beat the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not. I wouldn't uh, count on that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's considering the fact that they won't be on the roster in a couple of days. Will Boston be a force in the East once again this coming year? Yes, absolutely. By getting Gordon Hayward, they are they have pretty firmly cemented themselves as the second best team in the conference, but will probably win the number one seed with the way the Cavs kind of rest and treat the regular season. Um, the Celtics won the, the the conference technically last year in terms of the regular season standings, and they added Gordon Hayward. Um, obviously, to fit Hayward, they're going to have to trade away some pieces, maybe a Jay Crowder, maybe a Marcus Smart. Um, but the Celtics are definitely a force. They have Isaiah Thomas, an all-star. They have uh, a former all-star, in Joe, uh, Al Horford. I almost said Joe Horford. Um, and obviously, they added Gordon Hayward, the premier free agent um, this season. So they're a force in the East. Does it push them over the Cavs? No way. Um does it push the Cavs in a hypothetical series to maybe six games? I think so, depending on injuries and timing and things like that. But yes, the Celtics will be a force, comfortably, I think, the second best team in the East. But will probably win the regular season standings um, due to the Cavs resting and uh, basically taking the regular season as a joke, as they should, because they dominate in the playoffs. Let's keep the questions going. Uh, obviously, we are recording. The reason I have a microphone, if you're just tuning in, is because we are. I'm currently recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast, so I wanted to kind of stand away from the computer and be able to have the you know computer pick me up. So keep your questions coming. That'll make the uh, podcast episode more engaging. If we don't have any questions, I guess I could just talk myself about some of the signings we had today. Alrighty, I guess I will... Uh, I have to talk about the uh, signings we saw today. So uh, today we had a pretty more, uh, I'd say a more eventful day than uh, yesterday. So we had um, just today, just to name off the signings, Kelly Olenek to the Heat for four years, $50 million, and an interesting move. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm also not totally against it. He does provide some floor spacing. He can play next to Whiteside. He can play behind Whiteside. 
you know, it's a decent signing for a, for a decent player. We just uh, started the Periscope slash podcast talking about Rudy Gay going to the Spurs, two years, $17 million. I'm pretty sure there is a uh, player option on the second year. Um, again, I think it's I don't think it's a, that bad of a move. A lot of people are criticizing it because obviously Gay is 30, coming off a ruptured Achilles, not exactly two things you want from a, a marquee free agent signing considering the Spurs haven't added anyone besides Gay. But he's not going to be asked to do that much. Again, if he, if he can return to close to that level, only Pops can break the Rudy Gay curse. Yes. On our uh, website, the 94 Feet Report, you, which you can find at 94feetreport.com, we had uh, one of our writers, Lewis, uh, do a recap slash grade of the Rudy Gay signing. And he basically said if Pops and the rest of the Spurs coaching staff and culture can't kind of you know, fix Gay's problems of, of not, being on a, not being on a winning basketball team or not contributing to wins, then no one can. Because the Spurs, obviously, we know are the pinnacle of, 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 a, of a well-run organization that, that consistently wins in the NBA. So... Looks like Rudy Gay will be on a 50-plus win team, 55-plus win team, and and make the playoffs probably a deep playoff run. Next question. You worried about the Rockets bench at all? Um, to an extent, yes. They are they are comfortably eight deep. Um, we know the starting lineup. Chris Paul, James Harden, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, Clint Capella for now. Um, that could obviously change with a trade. Um, off the bench, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Nene are kind of the three... NBA-ready players off the bench. Now, the concerns, injury concerns. Everyone was praising the Rockets last year. Great season. Players stayed healthy. But do we know that Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon are both going to play 72-plus games next season? We don't. What happens if Eric Gordon Gordon misses 25-30 games next year? What if Anderson misses 25-30 games next year? Fine, you put P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup at power forward. That makes the bench a lot weaker. Fine, you know, if Eric Gordon's out, you lack a lot of creation on the second unit. Obviously, Mike D'Antoni is going to stagger the minutes of Paul and Harden to make sure that there's one of those two on the floor at all times. So you'll have creation, but that wears players down a lot. So um, I think the Rockets should get another ball handler, probably preferably a guard who can play both guard positions, and they should probably get another big, um, preferably someone who can space the floor um, to also play a power forward. Um, again, also speaking of Nene, one of those three bench-ready players uh, NBA-ready bench players, Nene has to sit out, you know, 10 to 15 games. He doesn't play back-to-backs. He can only play, you know, 15 to 20 minutes maximum in a game. What about last year? Clint Capella went down. They had Nene and Montrez Harrell take over. They don't have that Harrell anymore. Can Chinano Onowako be that Montrez Harrell of last year? We don't know. We don't know how NBA-ready he is. Harrell did a nice job filling in, but if Onowako can't, that makes the Rockets extremely thin at center. You know, then you could say, oh, maybe you could put Ryan Anderson at center and, and P.J. Tucker and Small at power forward. But then that puts a lot of pressure on Anderson. He's weak defensively. Weak That would be weak rebounding. So, you know, the Rockets need another piece, another NBA-ready contributor for the bench. Um, who else is going to be on that roster? Troy Williams? Who else? Troy Williams, you know, he can play a little bit. Do you want to rely on him for a team that has this lofty expectations? Fine, you can play him, you know, five to ten minutes per game in the regular season but again he's not exactly he's not a good shooter his defense is good but not great um he's pretty inexperienced so i mean can he slot in certainly Uh, he did have a couple of nice games with the rockets towards the end of the year but you don't really necessarily want to rely on troy williams as being one of your key players off the bench so i think the rockets definitely need to get one more nba level nba ready contributor for the bench either a ball handler combo guard or a big that can that can spread the floor somewhat um and we'll see we we know they're shopping those non-guaranteed contracts they're probably they're definitely shopping ryan anderson but that'll be hard he'll be hard to trade um they're going to look to make another move 
thoughts on the Clippers offseason thus far? Um, I I like the offseason. I, I like their offseason. I think they're with their signing of Milos Teodosic today, um, which we do have a great article by uh, a writer of ours named Dylan, uh, wrote a great breakdown of Milos Teodosic. Uh, check it out on our website, 94feetreport.com. Um, so they signed Teodosic today. He is a very flashy passer. He's a pretty good shooter. Um, very good point. Very good offensive point guard. Pretty very poor defensively, but they got Patrick Beverly. The, the Clippers started off their offseason by getting a great haul for Chris Paul. Um, they got four NBA-ready contributors. They got Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, and Montrezl Harrell. All can play in the NBA and be a key part of rotations, as they were in Houston last year. So that was a great, you know, trade for the Clippers then. Then they brought back Blake, which, you know, some people are iffy on. Some people thought they should have just gone full rebuild. Some people just kind of understood that the Clippers don't really want to go through that rebuild with their owner. So they bring back Blake. They negotiate that sign-in trade for Danilo Gallinari, and they get rid of Jamal Crawford because he's redundant now with Lou Williams there, who's who's much better at this point in their careers. They get Gallinari, who's it's it's a, I, I think it's a fine move. Gallinari is probably best suited now to play power forward, but he will be playing small forward with Blake um, back there and, and DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, they they've got a good roster. They're a lot deeper now, which is something something you couldn't say about the Clippers in previous years. Um, they have less expectations. I think that that will be a big part of their season, just having less expectations. The players will be calmer, less pressure off them, and, you know, they could surprise. I mean, we have to see what other people think. Let's see what they're, how they finish the offseason, what their over-under is, to see what people actually expect going into the season. But there, I would pick them, I would comfortably pick them to make the playoffs, um, and I do. And uh, I have a new article up for NBA Math about breaking down the Western Conference. You can check that out on my Twitter or the NBA Math Twitter or NBAMath.com. Do you feel like Harold got a fair, cha- fair chance in Houston? Um, yes and no. Uh, I say yes because he was given a, a good month. What further moves do you think the Thunder can make to fill out their bench? All right, that I will address the Thunder question next. Um, in terms of Harold, he was given a, a month when Capella was out and... Him and Nene were the only ones holding down that center position, and, and Harrell started a good amount of those games because because of matchups and because of Nene, you know, managing Nene's minutes. And Harrell had some really good games. You know, the one that comes straight off the top of my head is that Raptors game when he was like 12 of 13 from the field for like 26 points or 12 28 points. That Clippers game where he had I think 28 points um, late in December. Um, he had a bunch of good games. He also had a bunch of bad games and bad moments. He's a, a, a weak rebounder. Um, undersized you know he has his weaknesses he has his strengths um but the thing is i say i say yes he was given a fair chance but he also because the thing is that capella is better than him and obviously factors more into their long-term plans um and Nene was just a lot better for certain matchups against physical teams so when you have those two ahead of him in the depth chart you're not going to get all the chances you deserve, probably. And now in L.A., you know, I, I don't think the Clippers brought back Maurice Spates yet. So he slotted in as their backup center, I believe. They just traded Diamond Stone to the Hawks. So uh, if he's going to slot into that backup center spot in L.A., which he has to play center, he can't play power forward really in today's NBA unless you want no floor spacing. Um, you know, Harrell will get a chance in L.A., and I think that he will impress people. I think that Harrell is an exciting player to watch. He's very athletic. Um very good offensive center. He, he he lacks some size, obviously, lacks rebounding. Um, not a great defender, but Harold is a flashy player that a lot of people will enjoy to watch in L.A. All right, going back to that question about the Thunder, um, I think the question was, 
you know, if I, I forget already, so please post it again. But I think it was about, do you think the Thunder make any more moves this offseason? Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I would hope they would actually, I take that back. I think they will sign or try and sign a capable backup point guard. Uh, we know what happened when Westbrook went to the bench last year. It was a complete disaster. Um, so we will, uh, hopefully the Thunder will add a capable backup point guard. Obviously now they can stagger the minutes more of Paul George and Westbrook. So maybe Westbrook goes to the bench, Paul George comes up comes on the court for a couple of minutes to maintain the lead or not give it away completely in one minute like they did last year. But uh, after they signed Patrick Patterson, they re-signed Roberson to a three-year $30 million deal last night, which is a very good signing. Um, I love the Thunder offseason. I'm really high on the Thunder. I think that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on them. I think their offseason was really great. Yeah, what further moves can the Thunder make uh, to fill up their bench? Yeah, the, the move I want to see the most is um, getting a backup point guard, a capable NBA-level backup point guard. They just need someone to make sure that they can handle the ball um, when Westbrook is off the floor. Which backup point guard could be considered um, for the Thunder? You know, I don't actually know off the top of my head all the, all the point guards. Um, I'm going to look it up right now for you because I want to give a good answer, and I want to see who the uh, point guard free agents are right now um let's see let's go to a uh, tracker now we gotta be considerate of uh understanding um who will actually take the minimum because the thunder are kind of over the cap so they don't want to spend so some other names some names that come to mind um you still got ty Lawson in there i don't know um brandon jennings isaiah cannon solid player um Shelvin Mack, Aaron Brooks, Trey Burke, Ramon Sessions, someone mentioned. Those are all players that would probably take that amount of money, especially those experienced guys, because one, the Thunder are certainly a team capable of competing, maybe not for a title, but for a shot in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and, you know, those those point guards there will, will probably want to join them. They've got Westbrook, they've got George, they've got stars, they've got a really good defense, they got better offensively. This is a Thunder team that had a really, really good offseason. Um, they need to sign one of those backup point guards to help out eric how weird is the king's roster yeah the king's roster is interesting it's weird but i also understand what they're doing with the roster um so the kings today signed vince carter to a one-year eight million dollar deal this follows up them signing george hill and zach randolph george hill to a three-year 57 million dollar deal zach randolph to two years and 24 million dollars they're mixing their youth with their experience just like uh, alex the 21 the great has is saying right now um they're trying to build a winning culture culture they know that George Hill, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, all really respected veterans and teammates. They want them to come in to help play, contribute, teach the young young guys a lot of stuff, teach them you know, how it is to build a winning culture so that in one to two to three years, when all those young guys are taking over the, the leading spots in the franchise, they know what it is to build a winning culture so that then, then when those players, you know, as the team grows with those leaders, the team has that winning culture in place. So basically, the Kings are signing Hill, Randolph, and Vince Carter, not necessarily for their contributions on the court, because you know they really should tank to make sure they get a better draft pick, and they're not going to make the playoffs even with this roster, but they're paying them to kind of be good veteran leaders, help build the culture, um, things like that. Just being a good influence on the young guys, especially De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, you know, Colley Stein, Scala Bissier. Um, so I, I understand what they're doing. Obviously, on the surface, it seems pretty weird to be signing all these veterans, but they are placing a heavy emphasis on culture, and they've got the money to spend. Obviously, the longer-term deals, maybe to George Hill and, and Randolph, might hurt them. But uh, the Vince Carter one being a one-year deal, it's all about getting respected veterans and teammates to help build culture.
right, let's keep the uh, questions coming. NBA related, Rockets related, NBA free agency signings. Um, again, if you're just tuning in, I have a microphone in my hand because we're recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. Um, if you're not doing anything right now, you can check out our website, 94feetreport.com. We launched on July 1st. I think we've got some really, you know, I don't want to brag, but I think we've got some really, really great content on our website. Um, we've covered like 95% of the free agency signings. We have um, original articles that are up and then more that are coming out, you know, the next coming days. So check out our website, 94feetreport.com, or you can check out um, the check out the website on and follow us on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros because I'm always posting updates and articles and content from the website. All right, we got. Uh, can you rate the Timberwolves offseason? Do you think they need slash can get more shooting? Um, I don't know about rating them. I think they had a really good offseason. Um, obviously they traded for Jimmy Butler and they, they they fleeced Jimmy Butler. Excuse me, let me use the appropriate term. They fleeced Tim, Jimmy Butler from the Bulls, um, and then they added Taj Gibson, and then they signed Jeff Teague. Other uh, notable signings. They need more shooting. Jeff Teague is a better shooter than Rubio. He's not a great shooter, um, but I do understand why they wanted Teague instead of Rubio. So let's say you have a starting lineup of Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, and Carl Anthony Towns. You need shooting. That team is going to be good defensively, um, especially adding Butler and, and, and Gibson, who are familiar with Thibodeau, and, and now maybe another year for those young guys under Thibodeau, and they'll be even better defensively. Last year, they struggled defensively. Maybe blame that on age and experience. I don't know. But... uh. They'll be better defensively. They'll probably be better offensively, even without the lack of shooting, just because of the sheer offensive firepower they have. But I thought they had a really good offseason and are definitely poised to be a top four, top five team in the West. Still don't love the Paul and Harden fit together per se. Harden going to play a lot more shooting guard. Yes, Harden will play shooting guard. But really, do we have to even address position, positions anymore? I mean, as Brad Stevens said today, uh, I think, what did he say? He said you're a, a ball handler, a shooter, or a big or something. He said something about that. Basically, there really aren't positions. There are just three kind of roles in the NBA. Um, Harden and Paul is probably one of, if not the most fascinating things to watch next season. Um, the fit together and one of the other important things about this partnership or this duo is that Paul, one of the reasons he wanted to go to Houston was because he is intrigued by playing more off the ball. Now, Chris Paul is a very good catch-and-shoot player. Um James Harden is a good catch-and-shoot player as well, so I have, I have no concerns about them playing off ball for, for time, switching off, you know, who's handling the ball, who's bringing it up the court, who's initiating the offense, who's coming off screens for three-pointers, but can Paul and Harden run the offseason together? Can Paul and Harden run the offseason together is the big question, playmaking. Um, oh, can they run, can Paul and Harden run the offense is the question. Um, I have no doubts about it. I mean, the Rockets now have two of the three best pick-and-roll uh, creators in the NBA, players who can create points and, and have assists and, and score out of the pick and roll. They have two of the three in the best, with John Wall you know, being in the middle of James Harden's first, Chris Paul's third. I mean, even when they're on the court together, one's off the ball. Let's say you know Chris Paul's handling the ball and, and Harden's coming off screens. Paul passes to Harden. Maybe he has an open three. If he doesn't, he can re-screen with a Clint Capella or an Anderson. Then you have an Anderson pick and pop, a Capella pick and roll. Chris Paul off the ball is a 40% three-point shooter. Trevor Ariza may be off the ball. Maybe even Eric Gordon. Uh, Eric Gordon, 38% three-point shooter. Ariza, 35% three-point shooter. These are all... I mean, the offense is going to be incredible. The Rockets had like one of the top 10 offenses of all time last season, and I think they actually could be better next year. They could squeeze maybe in the top five. That's how good the offense could be. 
just always thought Spurs was a better fit for CP3. Um, yeah, the Spurs probably the Spurs were a good fit for CP3, but t- to sign him they would have had to trade like all their depth, and the Rockets had to trade depth too. But that's because you know they had a, they Paul opted in and then they traded with the Clippers themselves. Um, you know, it would have been a more natural fit, sure. I mean, obviously. Paul and Harden pairing together is not a natural fit, but that doesn't mean it can't work. Now, there's probably there's greater risk of it not working with Paul in Houston than it would be with Paul in San Antonio, but maybe the upside potential of a Paul Harden pairing in a Mike D'Antoni system with shooters around them and capable defenders now with the signing of P.J. Tucker, um, that has more upside than Paul going to San Antonio. So maybe the floor is better you know, the floor is better in San Antonio, but the ceiling could be higher in Houston for Chris Paul. And I think that the Paul and Harden pairing is fantastic. Um, Fascinating, I should say, not fantastic, but it could be fantastic. Um, But as as Daryl Morey said, when the, basically when the off season started, you have to take risks. This is a risk. It might not work, but if it does, it could be great. And it could be something the NBA has never seen before. And that's something you got to do in this Warriors Cavaliers domination culture of the NBA. All right, let's go for probably maybe another five to ten minutes, depending on how many questions people have. Again, if you're just tuning in, I'm holding a microphone in my hand because I'm recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. So please, the more questions you have, the better. NBA-related, free agency-related, Rockets-related. I mean, keep them coming. This is what's going to flow and kind of generate a podcast episode, so I want to make sure we have enough content. Um, Yeah, so if you're just tuning in, we had signings today, Kelly Olenek to the Heat, Rudy Gay to the Spurs, Vince Carter to the Kings, and James Johnson to the Heat. The James Johnson deals is four years, and we haven't seen how long, how much it's worth yet. How would you rank George Hill, Jeff Teague, Ricky Rubio? I would put George Hill at the top. I would probably put Ricky Rubio second, and I'd probably put Jeff Teague third. Um, now, again... Those, that's just me rating them in terms of you know their place that their abilities obviously you have to factor in age and now you have to factor in contracts uh, contract worth um, George Hill's 31 Jeff Teague 29 uh, Ricky Rubio 26 so depending on what, what timeline your team's at you will maybe want Ricky Rubio over George Hill depending on how much they're worth Ricky Rubio is the cheapest of the three um, but again overall I probably put Hill then then Rubio then Teague I think that would be my rating of, uh, of the three point guards. Um, so yeah, you know we know we don't have many free agents available uh, left. We got, obviously got Otto Porter. The Wizards just received the Nets uh, offer sheet, the four-year 106 max for Otto Porter, which a lot of people cringe at when they see, um, and understandably so. But that's just what it is in today's NBA for restricted free agents like Porter. Um, Kentavious Caldwell Pope is still out there waiting for an offer sheet from a team. If not, we'll we'll see what the Pistons do with him. Uh, Tyreek Evans is still available. Derrick Rose is still available. Um, Dwayne Dedman is still available. C.J. Miles is still available. Um, all players that are certainly capable, NBA-level rotational players in the NBA still waiting. Most of those guys are unrestricted, actually. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., restrictive reagent, still available. Shabazz Muhammad, still available. Over or under 20 points per game for D'Angelo Russell this year. Um, what he... Piston hard cap now. KCP likely gone right. Well... Uh, depending on what, who or what offers KCP, basically, yeah, it's likely he could be gone if some team really throws a lot of money at him. But not a lot of teams have money now to throw it at Contavious Caldwell Pope. So his market is drying up, just like Andre Roberson's restricted free agency market dried up pretty quickly because he accepted less. He accepted three years, thirty million last night when 
in the season last year, during the season, he was offered four years, 48. So he took less money because apparently the, his market just dried up. Um, let's look at D'Angelo Russell's numbers. Someone asked me if it over under D'Angelo Russell averaging 20 points a game next year. Um, you know, he did average, I mean, last year he averaged 15.6. So do you, do you see him taking a, a, a over four points per game jump? I could see it. He's going to have a big role. Um, him and Jeremy Lin are probably going to play side by side, and then obviously they'll stagger their minutes together. Um, I could see D'Angelo Russell averaging 19 to 20 points per game. I probably think he'll probably be around like 19 um, points per game. Um, the efficiency is probably going to be a concern. He's a career 40.8 shooter um, from the field, so that's obviously not great. 35% from beyond the arc. Um, but he's going to have more shot attempts, bigger role. It's his. They're building around him. It's his team. I could see 19 points per game for D'Angelo Russell next year, certainly. Um, the assists will probably stay you know, close to his 4 to 5 uh, range, probably. All right, let's keep the uh, the questions coming. Any NBA-related questions, free agency questions, Houston Rockets-related questions? The Rockets might have an interesting next couple of days. It's rumored that they're actively shopping their non the package of non-guaranteed contracts that they have in order to trade for an asset or a player. We don't know who. We don't know what they're targeting. We don't know when such a trade will be completed. But, you know, Daryl Moyes right now on the phone trying to either trade for a star like a Carmelo Anthony or... Uh, trying to improve the bench and make uh, the team even deeper. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we are, uh, if you're just tuning in again, we're recording an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes or Stitcher or listen to on Blog Talk Radio. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. You can follow my newly launched website, the 94 Feet Report. You can follow it on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report, or you can check out the website itself at 94feetreport.com. We've got a great, um, a lot of great content on the website. Uh, we covered all, almost all the free agency signings. All right, new question. Thank you for the question. Who is your favorite young core in the NBA right now? Um, I would go with the 76ers, based on the fact that I think that they're not only I think they're going to be really good, I think they're just a, f- a fun group of guys. We, I, Joel Embiid is one of my favorite players in the league. I mean, I, I never seen such a social media king uh, or master as Joel Embiid is on Twitter. I mean, he is a savage. He is ruthless. He's funny. Um, you know, I'm just really just hoping that he stays healthy next season um, and plays like 60-plus games because he's such a great player. He's fun to watch. He's fun off the court and on the court. Ben Simmons is a flashy player who should be fun to watch. Malkel Fultz, obviously a very good player. They drafted with the number one pick they traded up for. They got other great guys like Robert Covington, Rashawn Holmes, Timothy Luwalu. Um, Just a great young core that I think is fun both on and off the court. So I'd go with the 76ers probably. Oh, Dario Sarit. Thank you for reminding me. You know, I'm not sure why everyone leaves him out. Thank you for asking why does everyone leave out Saric. I mean, it's weird why people leave him out. I just left him out. I think he's one of those players who just gets easily overlooked because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Fultz get all the attention now. And and people always like to do big threes, so they don't always like to do a big four. Um, So it often happens where, you know, it just happens that Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid are the three most popular and well-known players on that team now, and and Saric just gets kind of left out. Or casually mentioned as the fourth piece, but he also is a good player. Obviously, he was runner-up for rookie of the year, I think. So, there you go. But uh, yeah, I go with the 76ers in terms of my favorite core. 
Yeah, he was a Rookie of the Year nominee. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand it either. But then again, I think my best explanation would be that people like to group teams into big threes. And the big three in Philadelphia will soon be Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid with Saric um, and Covington kind of playing side roles in that motion picture of the Philadelphia 76ers who trust the process. Alrighty, any more questions? Okay. Over or under three more titles for the Warriors in the next eight years? Wow. Eight years is a long time. By then, Kevin Durant will be, what, 38? 37? Steph Curry will be 36, 35? By then, they're not winning anything. But uh, I'd say... Let's just do the next five years. How about that? And in the next five years, I say the Warriors win a minimum of two NBA championships. Um, I'd say I'd probably take the over on two NBA championships. That's that's how dominant this team was this past season, and they got better this offseason. They bringing back everyone. They got they were able to pay for dra- to draft Jordan Bell, who looks like an NBA ready contributor this year. They signed Omri Caspi. They signed Nick Young. Durant takes less money. For Andre Godal and Sean Livingston, they brought back everyone, added Caspi and Nick Young and Jordan Bell. I mean, what more do you want from a team that just dominated the season last year? So I probably go, I probably go two NBA championships in the next five years for the Golden State Warriors. Eight years, I think, is just way too far to predict because in eight years, the current stars in the league will probably be retiring or you know, all together on one team, hoping to win one championship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd probably say two two championships for the Warriors in the next five years. Um, probably two in the next upcoming two years. I mean, barring injuries or catastrophic events or something like that or something weird with contracts or maybe a weird forming of a mega super team somewhere else. But, yeah. All right, let's go for maybe another minute or two. Any last final questions on this uh, special Periscope edition that is also at the same time being recorded for an episode of the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast? Um, again, today is July 6th. Free agency was starting to slow down, but then tonight we got about three or four signings in, in, in one hour. Uh, Vince Carter, we had Vince Carter, Kelly Olenek, Rudy Gay, James Johnson all today and all coming, you know, after 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so we don't know how July 7th will be. You know, free agency is getting to that point where signings are few and far between. There aren't that many team players available that teams are running after, you know, at their price range. Obviously, there are still marquee names available, but they're probably asking for too much money. A lot of teams don't have that much money anymore. Um, the restricted free agency market, Jermichael Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, that, that's the interesting market to me. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad is unrestricted now. We'll see what happens with him. A lot of st- There are a lot of good role players still available, so teams that are trying to make a deeper bench um, should look to do that. Who wins more, Kings or Lakers? I'm gonna go with the Kings because just because they're gonna they're going to play George Hill, Zach Randolph, and Vince Carter. I mean, especially Hill and Randolph, who can still compete. Hill is a very good point guard. Like, don't don't be mistaken because he's going to Sacramento. Um, Hill, George Hill is a very good point guard in this league. I, as I, as someone asked me before, I ranked Hill above Tegan Rubio. So let's say let's say even if they play Hill 25 minutes a night. And they play Randolph 15 to 20 minutes a night. And Vince Carter 10 to 15 minutes a night. Those are guys who can play. Colley Stein that can play. I think the Kings win more because they actually added some pieces this year while the Lakers are looking for next summer's cap space. Any wing players the Pelicans can acquire to support their weakest position? Um, you know, off the top of my head, maybe it's Tabo Cephalosha, Luke Richard, Mabam Mute. Um, you know, players that are good defenders, but that can also um, somewhat decently hit the three. Um those are the only two that could come to mind. Shabazz Muhammad, another wing player. 
Um, Aaron, example, Aaron Aflalo, Michael Beasley, Jeff Green. Um, maybe Aflalo can fit there. You know, maybe Jeff Green and Michael Beasley could too. Michael Beasley's best suited for power forward, um, but he can play small forward at times. Aaron Aflalo could fit there for cheap. Obviously, you want to make these guys, these signings cheap. Um, but yeah, the Pelicans have a problem with their roster. They don't have any wings. Um, a Pelican with no wings. So, you know, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. More... Solomon Hill and injury-plagued Quincy Pondexter won't cut it. You're absolutely right. That will not cut it. The Pelicans have Dell Demps again. Another year, they've done a poor job with a roster beyond uh, a roster built around Davis and Cousins, and the clock is ticking. Cousins is a free agent next summer. If they don't win anything, what happens if they win only 40 games this year? Cousins leaves, and then Davis is like, you know what? We're never going to win here. Trade me, and then it's the end of the New Orleans Pelicans before you know it. So. They got to do a better job building a roster around them. Corny pun, but I'll take it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm usually pretty bad with these jokes. Usually they're pretty corny. But uh, all right. Well, if there aren't any uh, final questions, um, I will end this episode of the 94 Feet Report and a podcast and at the same time end this Periscope session for July 6th. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Follow our website on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report and check our website out at 94feetreport.com. Thank you once again, everyone, for joining me and having all your great questions. Um, this will not be an everyday thing, but I'll do it more regularly. I will not always record the periscopes, but I will do the periscopes more often than I record them for podcasts. But this turned out to be a very good um, periscope session for a podcast, so I'll do them more often, probably maybe maybe once a week. Um, you know, not in the off season, but when the season's going on. But uh, thank you guys for your questions. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Sparrows. Follow the website on Twitter at the 94 Feet Report. And uh, stay tuned for the next Periscope. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.